start recording. We post these online. And so anyway, welcome to this uh, Sunday School class today. We're on chapter 13 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. This is our third week studying the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 13. So you should have before you the old outline. We've been walking our way through it, having a discussion. I see my my nice uh, drawings we erased from last week, unfortunately. So that's a, that's a bummer. We'll have to go back over that a little bit. But, you know, I want to ask the question today, what does sanctification feel like? And, and re-go over who does sanctification. What, who, is the, who are the parties in sanctification? So we, we've drawn on this, uh, on this board over here, the little one, uh, that uh, as we're looking at the Confession of Faith, we're a confessional church, we have a standard that's written down of what we believe the Bible teaches, the best standard known to man outside the Bible that explains what the Bible teaches. And that's good for us because it helps us to know God, to follow Him, to love Him, to obey Him, and to feel joy in Him because we know Him better. And that's, that's really important. So uh, as we look at the breakdown of the Confession of Faith, the first chapter of the Confession of Faith is what? Do we remember? It's called Of Holy Scripture. And it, and it lays down the basis for our knowledge of who God is and what He requires of us. Uh, how do we know anything at all regarding God? Now, we can know some things by general revelation, but some things, like the gospel, must be revealed through special revelation. Uh, many times in the Bible, God speaks directly to His creatures, and that is special revelation, when God speaks. And we see in the writings of the apostles and prophets and all the inscripturated words, God speaks. And he still speaks to those. The Word and the Spirit work together. And so, so some of you think, well, so what does the Bible teach? What does the Bible say? So the first thing that we got to know about is, is chapter 2. Who is God? What is God? And then third, what is God doing? God has his eternal decree. And he's, he's outside of time and space. He doesn't occupy time and space like us. Let's think about this analogy real quick. As we're getting to sanctification, who does sanctification? And then we'll continue back on the outline. But let's talk about this just real fast. If I pay your bill, you have no more bills. You know, you, you are, you're, it is paid, right? Because I pay it. If you pay your bill, you pay it. Um, if I pay your bill and you pay your bill, what happens then? You, you've overpaid and you probably would get a refund, you know, if the people were ethical. You know, they're like, hey, we got double what we were supposed to get, so they're going to give you money back, right? Now, when we're talking about sanctification, we do it, okay? We do it. We actually uh, die to our sin and live to Christ. We do that. And the Bible all over the place tells us to do so. But we also know that God does it, all right? So that's the thing. It's, 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 it's somewhat of a mystery and how that all works out. But those, th- those two things are right. Just like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three persons, but all fully God. In, 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 the, in the person of each. Uh, it's not one-third plus one-third plus one-third equals one, as you're talking about the Trinity, the person of the Trinity, but it's one plus one plus one equals three. No, it's not that either. It's one plus one plus one equals one when you're speaking of the person of God. So that's the, the Trinity is the second chapter. Three is the eternal decrees of God. How does it work out in history? Creation and providence. That's chapter four and five. Then you've got the special act of providence of sin, Sin and judgment. Where? What's? What's that? Is that God's 
sovereign decree and is he responsible? How does that work? And so that's six. You've got seven. How does he, how does he enact his covenant of grace? Well, that's what the seventh chapter is about. How does God relate to creatures primarily through covenant? And we talk about the covenant of works, the covenant of grace. And then we see that God gives us uh, a mediator to exercise his covenant, which is chapter eight. Chapter nine is, well, what about our free will? How do we understand our nature now as human beings who are fallen in this world? Free will is discussion of chapter 9. Then we get into effectual calling. Then we get to chapter 11, justification, which has, uh, it's an act that God does. Sanctification is a work that God does. And right in the middle of that sandwich in that is adoption. Adoption and justification are completely done by God, uh, of course. And sanctification is completely done by God, right? It's all God. God is sovereignly doing it. However, we get no merit for our sanctification, right? Because it's God, but we participate in it. This is the difference between justification and adoption and sanctification. We participate in it. We don't earn it or merit it because it's God's work. Does that make sense? I think you've got you to hold those things together is that we're participating in it because of God's grace. He's condescending to us and allowing us participation in that and we're united to christ so we're fundamentally different than what we once were in outside of christ we're sanctified definitively we're a new creature the old is gone yet there still remains that abiding corruption of sin that we must put to death and that's what we're we're talking about with progressive sanctification that's primarily what the the confession is talking about in the 13th chapter on sanctification so we're going to read the third section of this and then we'll pray and we'll have a little bit of time to go over these things let's talk about it uh, so here we go. Third section this week on your handout. For, first page, it says, speaking of sanctification as in which war, although the remaining corruption for a time may much prevail, yet through the continual supply of strength from the sanctifying spirit of Christ, the regenerate part doth overcome, and so the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Amen. All right, let's uh, pray real fast. Together, Our Father in heaven, we ask that this morning you would sanctify us in your truth, that your spirit would enable us to overcome besetting sins, uh, sins that we uh, cherish and, and seek to hold tightly and not mortify, uh, convince us of this insanity and convince us of this folly and foolishness and rebellion against you. And we ask that you would convince us of the glorious riches we have in Christ and how we, if we turn those loose and seek and, and follow the ways of this world, we would be following in, into despair and agony and foolishness. We ask today that you would give us uh, clear eyes to see your word would be truth to us and we would behold wonderful things in it. And we ask your spirit to help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, I want to take a moment. If you do not have uh, a good app on your phone that goes through the confession and gives you scripture proofs and resources, uh, not just the Westminster Confession of Faith, but the catechisms and other Reformed confessions, I highly recommend Reformed Companion. If you write that down or, or search it, Reformed Companion, download it. It is excellent. And at this time, I'm going to go through the scripture proofs on this very topic of this one. And, and just, I'll ask you to read with us uh, those scripture proofs. So I'm going to ask, um, well, I'm going to read it and then I'm going to ask you a question about it. So pay attention. 
I'm reading it out loud, and I'm going to ask a question. So everyone listen carefully to Romans 7.23, one of the Scripture proofs of, of section 3 on sanctification. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So Paul is identifying a war going on. And it says that it's making him captive. So do you see how, how the confession in the first, first phrase there says that the remaining corruption for a time may prevail? Welcome. Welcome in. Come on in. There's a handout right there on that uh, trash can if you want to grab it. And you can have a seat over here by Robin and John or wherever you want to sit. Thanks. Come on in. Harrison. That's right. Yes, come on in. Yeah, we're talking sanctification and reading Romans 7.23. You see here that Paul's identifying in his Christian experience that there is a law waging war in him. And it's making him captive to this law of sin that dwells in his members, in his body parts, and in who he is. So, parts of him. And so, you see, that's just a, a first step for us to, to identify honestly that the remaining corruption for a time may much prevail. Does anyone disagree with that as a Christian? There are people who teach, actually, that you can be free from sin in this life. I know that's a subsurdity, right? But, mm-hmm. but you, can be, you can have a day where you don't sin. Uh, but we know that, uh, as, as Martin Luther has stated, and many people have stated this, but, but all of life is repentance. Uh, all of life. So we repent every day. We find uh, things that we are not uh, proud of, that we are ashamed of, that we grieve over, and, and we seek to fight against those. That's what we call mortification, or, mm-hmm. or striking the vitals out of that sin, putting it to death, fighting against it. It's a war. Now, if, you, um, you know, if you've ever been to the doctor for a checkup, I don't know if they still do this, but um, I always want to ask Robin when I get to these questions, because I may be wrong, but, but when you're getting an exam, do they ever do the hammer thing on your knee? Yes. And that's to test what? Reflexes. Yes, reflexes, yes. So if you get hit on the knee with a hammer, you're supposed to kick, right? You're, you're supposed to feel a little uh, jolt. <laughs> And that demonstrates that this person who's being examined has reflexes. In like manner, right, when we sin, uh, we, we, if we're sinning, uh, there's a, a sort of a recoil. Uh, we, we come to our senses, we're like, I don't like that. I, that, that hurts. Uh, it hurts our heart, it hurts our spirit, it hurts our, uh, our, you know, just, it hurts our friends and our family. And it's like, we grieve over that, uh, and it hurts our Lord. And so like the, when we sin, we, we actually as a Christian, have this awareness of pain when we hit, when we sin. And that is unique. That tells you you're alive. You have the reflexes, you know, when you, when you feel that. That grief and misery over our sin. That repentance that happens. That's what we're talking about. So you see that? That's a, that's a unique thing about you as a Christian. And don't ever forget that that's unique. You know, that that, that, that little diagnostic actually works. When you sin... It's not comfortable for you, uh, and it's it it doesn't make sense to you. You don't know, you know how many times have you have you caught yourself in sin and being like, how am how why am I how am I doing this? Like why am I doing this? This is not what I am, who I am. As you consider that, there's a war going on, a real war, and it, and and as we mentioned last time, that the Christian life, as exhibited by the Apostle Paul, 
and seen in J.F. Packer's book, Rediscovering Holiness, can be thought of as this. Here's the holy standard up here. Holy standard of God. And here we are, down here, of course, and we're sad. We don't meet the standard, you know. So what do we need to do? We need Christ. We need the cross, right? So the cross brings us up. Now, typically we think of, but we're taught in Christian circles sometimes that, that the Christian life feels like this. We're getting better all the time. We examined last week Luke 18, 9 through 14, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And now this, this Pharisee believed that he was more righteous than the other guy. And he had this growing self-righteousness or belief that he was better than everyone else. Well, we see Paul's uh, trajectory of uh, very late in his life in uh, 1 Timothy uh, 1, 12-15, where he says, This is a trustworthy saying, of which is worth uh, full acceptance, that Christ came to, to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst, or the foremost of the chief. And so, as you see, what, what true Christian growth looks like is growth downward, right? As you grow downward in your understanding of how much how that, that reflex gets better over time to, to where you realize, wow, I really need the blood of Christ. I need to go to the cross. I need righteousness because I am not righteous. I am sinful more than I ever could understand when I, when I had this you know, naive uh, you know, uh, idea that God might, uh, might be worthy of God's love here. You know, well, as you the further along you go, you realize, well, I'm no, I do not deserve this. So as you think about it, you go, here the cross just gets bigger and bigger and bigger the more you go along and your heart for God just gets bigger and bigger and bigger as you go those resources develop and so yeah real Christian growth is growth downward not in your actual righteousness and progress but in your self-awareness of your sin and your need for the gospel each and every day uh, and as you consider that, that's where true Christian growth is, is situated. And it's in that war that we're fighting. If you're not fighting that war, you're not, you're not in Christ. And it says it may, it may for a time prevail. Now, it says, Yet through a continual supply of strength from the Spirit of Christ, uh, that re- the regenerate part doth overcome. Let's look at Romans 6.14. In Romans 6.14, I'm going I'm to read it to you. And you guys, listen up, and I'm going to ask a question. Uh, it says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Now, what's the key, the key passage, or the key point there? Sin will have no dominion over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. Under grace? Yeah, you're under, because you're under grace... The, the effect is that the sin will have no mastery over you. You will not be mastered by it. As we talked about in chapter 9, the uh, will of man is now able to sin or not to sin because we are united to Christ. We are new creatures. Uh, before, we were only able to sin in, in our fallen condition. In, this, in the state of innocence, able not to sin or to sin now we have the ability to not sin or to sin, and in glory we will have no ability to sin. This, this is the fourfold nature that's outlined in nine. But now we have this uh, reality where we are not mastered by sin, though we are fighting it. You know, we're not under its dominion, 
but we are still engaging in battle with it. But it is not our master. We're set free from that, right? That's, there's a real freedom. Now, that's one of the things you got to feel, too. Uh, you're free. Uh, you know what it is to have your debts paid. Uh, you know what it is to no longer be under the mastery of it because that's your reality. You know, that's who you, you know this freedom that the gospel speaks of. Looking at 1 John 5, 4, for everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It speaks here of if you're born of God, you overcome the world. Uh, you are more than conquerors, as Paul would say in Romans 8. You know, you overcome this world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. If you look at uh, four, uh, Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, here this one, it says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow in every way uh, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which, which is equipped uh, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So you, uh, your sanctification will go on, not because you are so strong, but because you're connected into Christ. You're part of his body, and you are part of the sanctification of everyone else, and they're part of you. This is the plan. Uh, there's no uh, solo sanctification projects. As you look at the third thing here, it says... Um, uh, and so the saints grow in grace. Uh, as you look at uh, 2, Corinthians, or 2 Peter 3, 18, it says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory from now uh, and to the day of eternity. It says, But grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and if you go to 2 Corinthians three eighteen. It says, And we, with all unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So now let's talk about who is the cause of this sanctification in that 2 Corinthians 3.18 verse. Who's the cause? The Spirit. The Spirit brings this, right? So that means it's God who does it. Uh, who brings justification? God. Yeah, the grounds of justification is the uh, active and passive obedience of Christ. Same for adoption. We receive a land, a promised land, an inheritance. We receive the, the end of our guilt here in justification. We receive all the benefits and blessings in adoption. And then in sanctification, we see the power of sin diminished over time initially, and then and over time more and more so, the power of sin uh, the consequences, the guilt of sin, the consequences of sin, the power of sin, and ultimately in glorification, we're going to see the presence of sin eradicated. So those four elements of salvation there from sin by God being, being our reconciler in Christ. The, the consequences of sin here, the guilt of sin here, the uh, power of sin, and ultimately the presence of sin will be no more because of this covenant of grace and all the blessings affiliated with it that we receive by faith. Um, now, God does that. Let's look at the next section, uh, which is 2 Corinthians 7.1. If you, if you have your Bibles open to that one, and we'll, this will be the last one we we'll read, it says that since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Now, who is it 
that brings holiness to completion or sanctification. Sorry. You're fine. All right. Happy noises. All right. So bringing, bringing holiness to completion. Who is it that brings holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord in 2 Corinthians 7.1? Us. us, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it was, would that be uh, who would the us be there? Uh, people that uh, people of faith, people that come to Christ, yeah, right, Christians, right? So, yeah. people who believe, followers, disciples, you know, as you think about that, you know, us could mean all kind of things depending on who the object is, but we want to make clear that that's talking about Christians, believers, right? So, it's saying, so in, in 2 Corinthians 7 1, it's saying. Let us, and then in uh, the one we read just a minute ago, 2 Corinthians 3.18, same book, four chapters later, uh, it sounds like God's going to do it, right? So the Spirit does it. So the Spirit does it, and then Paul has lost it. He's forgotten he wrote that four chapters earlier. And he says, let us, right? Is that the way it works? He just forgot, and, the spirit, and, the, and the, he's just a, or maybe he's just taking, you know, like a, he's like plagiarizing from other sources. He just took one from this one and one from that one and just put it all together uh, sloppily. Uh, no, no, I mean, it's like, it's, it, the answer is both are true, right? Let us uh, grow in holiness uh, and, and the completion of it in the fear of God. And then God, the Spirit, will bring it to pass. Sur- surely are both true. Uh, and so as you think about this, this is, the, this is the illustration we've used prior, and I want to repeat it for sake of uh, the class here, but if you consider, you have an object down in the road, uh, a, a massive tree, and what are you going to? You, you've got to move it. You got to get. You got to get down the path. And so, as you think about sin in your life, is your sanctification? You have this. You have this obstacle, and some would teach that uh, God does it only. You know, hundred percent God. God, I'm just going to get out of His way, and God's going to move this for me. Let God do it. Let go. Let God. So that's the, that's one thing. You, have you heard that statement before? Let go. Let God. Maybe a bumper sticker. I don't know. Let go. Let God. Y'all heard it? Heard it all the time. Oh yeah. Depending on what church you grew up in or where you're from. You might have heard that because that is a thing that is let go, let God, very, uh, very common slogan. God's going to do it. Now, yeah, yeah, God does do it. Yeah, that's, that's, there's the truth in that. As it says in, in, uh, in uh, 2 Peter 3.18 and in 2 Corinthians 3.18 as well. Now, um, the other option is not just, well, uh, let God do it, but I'm going to do it. You know, let us uh, grow in holiness. Let us, you know, perfect holiness. And so I do it, right? Does that make sense? Uh, I'm going to just go out there and move, this, move the log or move the tree myself, remove the obstacle. I'm going to do it. All right? Yeah. <laughs> but it says I can. It says let us. But yeah, it's not possible, right? But I'm still, okay, so, okay, so I can't do it alone. Here's the way it is, guys. This is the third option. We're going to put uh, Jesus and the Spirit and God on one end, and he's going to pull one end, and I'm going to come over here on the other end, and we're going to go 50-50. You know, is that it? No. no. No, it's not. That's not what we think about. That's a bad way of thinking about sanctification. Dam- damaging to your, to your heart. Because it's wrong. And so, it's not 50-50. Uh, it's both 100%, 100%. If, you, if you're off on either of those dials, then you've got serial, serial, uh, serious uh, dysfunction in your movement. You have to be 100%. And God has to be 100%. And it's, so it's both. So you're going to move that, that obstacle. You're going to 100% do it. You're going to push it off the road. But it's going to be the Spirit of God working in you to do it. 
That's how sanctification works. Sanctification is about the eradication of our sin over time. That the, pre- the power of it is just beat down and we die to it. And we, so we, so we, so we, that, it looks like two things. We're going to not do certain things and we're going to do certain things. We're going to, that we're going to put to death certain actions and we're going to do certain actions. So with every negative com- command or law in the Bible, there's also a positive alongside of that. And every positive, there's also a negative or things to stay away from. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so there's a, we tend to think of sanctification as just not doing certain things, right? But we are setting ourselves apart. Uh, we're, you know, uh, I'll mention this in a sermon today, but uh, uh, you know, uh, let's talk about this. How, how much of a role does prayer play in our sanctification? Uh, yeah, it's essential. Yeah, it's right. If, if God doesn't do it, it's not going to get done, right? Uh, right. So, uh, but I'm going to be participating in prayer, right? Now, what? How do our prayers work? Yeah, and so it's like if God does everything, He's 100. percent Well, like, 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 why would we even pray, right? It's like if God's going to see this. Like, if if it's 100 percent God, then then that, then if I think that's the way it works, then I'm not going to pray, you know. And if I if if, if I don't realize that it's 100 percent God, then. Uh, I'm gonna not. I'm also not gonna pray. <laughs> yeah, it's like so. There's there's a situation where it's like I have to know that uh, I am participating in this as real as it can be. Uh, my prayers are really a part of this, though they're granted, gifted, and God's you know, ordaining them for His purposes and, and letting me participate in it without meriting any of the results here. I'm not earning anything. I'm not because the the grounds and 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 of our sanctification is. The passive and active obedience of Christ. We don't earn this, just like we didn't earn this. It's the passive and active obedience of Christ, here, there, and there. It's always Christ who is the grounds of our justification, adoption, sanctification, and the Spirit applying it, right? So we want to understand that we don't have any reason to boast if our sanctification is slightly more developed than someone else's uh, sanctification, right? This is the big, this is the big uh, aha moment for us because we're going to be like, well. If it's 100% me, then it would seem like I have reason to boast, right? If I believe it's 100% me, then I'm going to be the most proud or disappointed person. Because I'm going to be, depending on how, you know, if I check the, the thermometer, you know, and I check the gauge, and I see, look, my gauges look good, well, I'm pretty good. If my gauges look bad, then I'm a failure. And that's the thing is that, so sometimes it may look like, uh, the, you know, the, the, the battles, you know, I, I'm, I'm losing, you know, sin's prevailing. Uh, and, and how do I not know at that time that God's not at work? You know, these are things that, that God's at work. I'm not, I'm, I don't feel good at this time, but I do know that God's at work in all things, and there's something I need to repent of every day, no matter how good I feel. And so I can keep on 100% going, resting in the promises that God is 100% active in me and will never leave me. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so let's, let's take a moment to ask some questions. Uh, and I've talked a ton. This is the worst Sunday school ever. I apologize. Uh, you know, you'll, I'll do better next week, but uh, this has been a, it's kind of a cleanup mission, and we, we've taken three, wo- three works, three weeks on sanctification, and I wanted to, 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 to just speak at you for 30 minutes about sanctification. So, what questions do you have? Any thoughts? First of all, I want to say, it's not the worst Sunday school lesson ever. It's been a wonderful Sunday school lesson. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, but yeah, I, 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 and, uh, as far as the reason I say that, I want more more interaction, more questions, and so I did not accomplish that that uh, that that goal objective today in that regard. But yes, it, in the delivery of truth and content that's biblical, yes, good stuff. 
I want to do better though on the next time of getting getting more interaction in the class. So, but other other questions. We have a few minutes. Well, towards the end of Romans six, it yes. does talk about sanctification is truly a, a process. Yes. And we're literally switching our obedience from sin or to yeah. sin to obedience to righteousness. Yeah. And it leads to sanctification. Right. So you you've kind of gone around full circle about how it's a process. Mm -hmm. It requires <coughs> us to act yeah, and absolutely. be obedient. Yeah. yeah. And pray and constantly we're we're yes. redefining ourselves and reaching that sanctification. You're learning. Yeah. You're you're yeah. learning what you already are. You know, like you you already are definitively holy, but you're learning to grow in holiness your whole days, and so there's a there's a uh, it's a it's a really inter it's an interesting point of like hey you're it's like you're a little like uh, baby king or queen or something you know like you have the you have the crown you know you, you're you're entitled to it but you, you you're kind of under under guardianship in a lot of ways you don't know you don't know how to do it and so you're learning as you go uh, though it is yours uh, ultimately. Yeah, that's so you're you're dying to the old ways and living to the new way, the new man, uh, the flesh, the devil, the world, uh, and then we talk about flesh. You've got the old man, the body of death. Uh, you know the, the, the that that idea that is still going to the sin nature as you think about those terms that you have to be uh, reckoning with and battling our, all all of our days, and that's why prayer is such a big component of it. What else is a big component of it? You know. Uh, would you would you argue word of God is important as a means of sanctification? The word of God. I mean, just continually uh, understanding who God is. I mean, just continually studying. You know, the word of God is is important. Uh, you know, it's like uh, you know, uh, what about uh, you know fellowship? You know, people who are uh, actively uh, also studying God's word, and, and then as you are like a, a kindled stick, you know, and you two two sticks together, you kind of. You know, inflame one another to to more uh, you know, light and heat as as you uh, are in close proximity and communion with that person and fellowship. So there's a there's a uh, so these are I would say prayer, word, and fellowship are three mm -hmm. great instruments of our sanctification to to develop it. Um, other questions? You didn't ask that question, but I give you that one for free. So all right. the, uh, yes, risk, yes, sir. Verse uh, comes to my mind: the Philippians. Chapter two. Yes. Uh, Twelve, halfway through it. Work um, out your salvation and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So, because God transforms our will and the way we work, mm -hmm. we can work out our salvation. So Absolutely. That, that's a part of working out. If you work out a rotten fruit inside yourself, mm -hmm. nothing good will come out of it. Yes. Because God has not transformed you first. Yeah. So that's why that needs to be the redemptive work uh -huh. inside you first. Then you can, you can have good. You uh, can good. do it as he's at, at work in you. If, he's, if you're not connected to Jesus, forget about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. But if you're in him, there is a real uh, working that we're doing. And that's a beautiful thing. That's, that's a very helpful verse. Thank you for that. Philippians 2, 12 to 13. If you're not acquainted with that one. I would, rec I would recommend just go ahead and memorize it because it's going to be uh, it's going to be on the test. It's going to be an exam. I mean, that's like, I, I'm not giving you a test or exam, but but it, life exam. Like you're going to need that. You're going to need to know that. Uh, okay. With that said, uh, I will. Uh, if, if there's no other questions, well, we're out of time, so I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and close in a word of prayer this morning. So thank you. Let's pray. 
our, our Heavenly Father, we consider that um, many people have um, pursued all kind of things, but not righteousness. And uh, we were part of that, part of that rebellion against you. In all the world, no one seeks after righteousness. No one seeks you, but but you've called a people from all nations, tribes, and tongues to to be your people, holy people. And so, we, as we consider that big storyline of Scripture of how you've you're bringing about redemption and you're bringing about a, a newness and a wholeness and a sanctification to your people that will be consummated in glory, we ask that you would empower us, enlarge our hearts and, and minds and faith that we might behold Christ, that we might love Him more dearly and hold to Him, hold to His Scriptures, and, and, and abide in Him as we seek to sanctify, as we seek to, to glorify You, as we seek to worship You. So as we, as we consider this morning uh, Your Word and worshiping You, would You lead us in worship and guide us and direct us uh, for Your sake, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, we'll get back to it next week. Uh, do better next week.